0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, my name is David. I am the lead pastor here at Redeemer, and I am really glad you're here. Let me say one thing that you may not know about that's going to be part of this uh, party we're about to have. Uh, there's actually a dance competition that is going to be a part of it. Yes. Evidently, Mary Lee is going to dance, um, and, uh, and it's, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to see some dancing. Uh, I will dance if you dance, um, But uh, I I think if you want to be a part of that, you're just going to, Lauren, who's singing, is going to lead that. She'll kind of call people over there, and we would love to see you uh, get down and boogie, okay? All right, uh, today we start a brand new series uh, called uh, Redeemer at the Movies. And this is a really, uh, it's a really fun series. We did it for the first time last year. A bunch of people really liked it. Um, Had a a cool video that we made to kind of promote it. And <clears throat> what we do in this series is, it, it, it is it's, it's a little different than what we normally do on Sunday mornings. Um, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll kind of start with a thought or a scripture and kind of unpack it. And at the movies, what we do is we look at a, a movie, one that's been recently released or one that, uh, that's kind of a classic, and we explore some of the themes that kind of show up in it and then think about how they relate to some biblical truths. And so that's, that's kind of how this works over the next four weeks. We're going to do four movies, and um, today we kick it off with uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, this is an, an awesome movie. Uh, it is a very uh, popular movie as well. Uh, I think some of us have seen it, right? Just out of curiosity, how many of you guys have seen Avengers Endgame with a show of hands? That's actually pretty good. I was hoping for a little bit more. I'll try to explain some things, and I am going to spoil the credit of this movie if you haven't seen it, just so, just so you know. But um, uh, it has it been an absolute blockbuster film. It is knocking on the door of highest-grossing film of all time, I know a lot of people have seen it once. I bet some of you have seen it twice. Uh, it was just re-released on Friday with new footage because there are like Avengers super fans out there. And let me preface this by saying I am not one. So if you're a super fan and I get something wrong, uh, too bad. I'm preaching and you're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I will probably get stuff wrong. But anyways, um, uh, it's, just, it's just a really interesting uh, movie. And I, I've seen it once. I saw it with uh, our our middle son, Jeremiah. I took him out to see it on his birthday, for his birthday present, and we went at 8.30 a.m. on a Friday morning. So I wasn't expecting many people to be there. There was a ton of people at this movie, and some of those super fans were there. There was a guy with um, with a Camelback backpack, do you guys know what that is, where it's like a backpack and it's got like a liquid thing on the back and a straw and he was he was sucking the straw. He was a super fan. The dude was going to drink uh, all during the film and probably have to go to the bathroom really bad at the end of it. Because it's like three hours long, right? So I saw that guy. There was another guy who was really into it who uh, had uh, two giant things of popcorn. And I'm pretty sure he was alone. He wasn't going to miss anything. <laughs> and so we were there and we enjoyed it. And I saw enough to kind of put together some things to talk about that I think the movie brings up well uh, this morning. There are a lot of themes that we could explore in this movie. Uh, one of the themes I thought about was the way Avengers talks about and interacts with the idea of friendship and how some of the different heroes kind of support each other and, and hold each other accountable. Uh, but we're not going to do that. Another theme that I thought was very interesting, spoiler alert, was kind of the way Iron Man gives this kind of sacrificial ending to hmm, the movie. Hmm and how that relates to jesus's kind of sacrificial death right i'm sure if you're a christian and you saw the movie you you connected with that And it's really interesting to me that uh i don't know if you guys have noticed this but in most of the big epic stories that have been told during our day they almost always end in in kind of a way that has some parallels to the Christian story, like they're all pointing towards some greater story. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. That that's where we could have gone. But uh, actually, what I want to explore this morning was really the way that that Endgame looks at the uh, at failure, at the way that um, at the way uh, all these Avengers deal with failure. And I'll explain more in a little bit. But before. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the way it looks at failure, and then I'm going to kind of open up the Bible and the Gospel of John and the Psalms to kind of look at uh, some biblical insight into dealing with failure. But before we do that, why don't we go ahead and we pray as we get ready to get in the message. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for this chance to gather. Thank you for all the all the fun and joy uh, that you put into our lives and just the opportunity to t- take something as interesting and as uh inherently compelling as endgame lord and um and look at it and say what do you have to teach us in this movie and 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 hold it up to your word and think about it lord and i just pray that as we look at what is there and we look at your word lord your holy spirit would be at work in us to move us to change us to help to help us to know you and follow you and trust you and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray those things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so uh, if I'm going to talk about Endgame, I really have to begin talking about another movie called Infinity War. It's kind of the part one to the Endgame story. And, um, and the way that uh, Infinity War kind of um, ends, to make a long movie short, is that the Avengers lose. They, they fail. Uh, what, what happens is there is this supervillain named Thanos, and that's a picture of Thanos. And what he does is he captures, uh, I think, six of these infinity stones that have tremendous power independently, but when he gets a hold of all six of them together, he has basically unlimited power to do whatever he wants. And what does Thanos do with it? He, well, he, he actually decides that he wants to deal with what he sees as a massive galactal uh, overpopulation problem he wants to end half of life in the universe uh, to help the other half of life. He thinks that 's what, what he 's called that 's what he should do uh, and so at the end of Endgame, at the end of infinity war, he gets these six stones, and even though the these avengers are trying to stop him, they ultimately fail. He snaps his fingers with that glove on and the power of all six stones and half of life in the universe dies. It vaporizes. It's actually a pretty sad ending um, to a fantasy movie where all our superheroes are disappearing that uh, we've come to love. And and that's how uh, Infinity War ends, which is really kind of an amazing ending for a big blockbuster hit like this because if I'm not mistaken, since Marvel and the whole superhero thing really caught fire in 2009, there isn't a single Marvel movie that ended with a, a hero failing, right? I don't think we've seen that before. And so what, what's really interesting is is what the question is when we enter into Endgame as part of part two of this, this greater story. The, I think the question it brings up is, how do heroes deal with failure? How do superheroes deal with Failure, and and what I what I also think is incredibly interesting is uh, one person uh, who studied Greek mythology said that the Greek gods were a way for us to see ourselves in the stories of the Greek gods. I think there's a parallel today, and that these superheroes, these Marvel heroes that we love, are a way to see ourselves in in their stories. And when we ask the question, how do superheroes deal with failure? What I think we we do actually is we can see ourselves in the way that the different characters in Endgame deal with their failure. And really the first whole hour of the movie is us getting to see as we watch uh, Iron Man and Hulk and, um, and Hawkeye and Captain America and Black Widow deal with this failure. How do they respond to failure? And so that's what I want to do. I want to work through those, those people because uh, I think we're going to see ourselves in some of their responses to what's happened as they're dealing with this loss and this failure that they've had. And the first one I want to look at is Thor. Uh, Thor. Thor is a fan favorite in uh, the Marvel Universe because he's funny and kind of witty and, uh, and he looks like that. Um, and, and, you know, just the mention of Thor's name in, in our growth group makes the ladies in our growth group swoon. It's really quite annoying, actually. And, uh, and that's why there was something tremendously satisfying about what happens in Endgame with Thor, uh, because he went from looking like that, this fit Norse god, uh, to looking like this... Um, the not-so-fit uh, Norse god. He uh, binges on beer and junk food, and, um, yeah, and that's, that's Thor. And uh, what was maybe my favorite and the best line in the whole movie when um, the uh, Avenger Rocket the Raccoon sees Thor, he says, you look like a melting ice cream cone. <laughs> uh, Men, who among us didn't find that at least a little bit satisfying, Right? <laughs> Uh, and men, let's confess to Jesus. We're sorry we took joy in Thor's demise. I'm sorry, Jesus. I think maybe because it makes me feel better about my own melting ice cream cone. But anyways, when you read, when you, when you think about Thor in the story, two things come to mind. One, I think he falls really hard. He, he is one of the ones that really is dealing with failure poorly. He's hiding away. He's, he's living in sweatpants. He's playing video games. And, uh, and I think one of the reasons he, he fails so hard is because he's fallen so hard, right? And, and one of these Avengers superfans helped me see this. Uh, they pointed out everything that he lost during Infinity War. He was supposed to be this guardian, this god of his own, his own Asgardian people, and half of them are, are, are now dead, uh, he loses his brother Loki. Uh, he loses his good friend Hemdal. He loses uh, almost all of the dwarves of Nidavellir. Uh, okay, I don't know. Uh, and then um, he, if you, if you watch the movie, he had an opportunity to put the death blow on Thanos in Infinity War, and he doesn't do it. He can't do it. And so he has failed in this major way, and my guess is also that Thor hasn't experienced much failure in his life at this point. And so uh, he hasn't learned to deal with failure. And so what we see is that he's developed these really poor coping mechanisms. He's he's drowning himself in beer and junk food. He's playing video games with his funny New Zealand accent talking rock dude, right? Thor basically gives up. And so um, how would you describe Thor's method of dealing with failure? This is how I would describe it. Thor deals with failure by not dealing with it. Thor deals with failure by not dealing with it. He tries to run away from it. He tries to ignore it. And when you step back and you think about Thor, does anybody see that their own kind of coping mechanisms with failure kind of come out in Thor's behavior? Yeah, I think this is a very common way for for us, us people to kind of default to when we when we deal with failure, you know, bluebell ice cream and some sweatpants, right? Um, I think naturally, uh, when we have this failure that we're trying to ignore, trying to hide from what's happening, is we're going and we're hiding inside of something else, and uh, and we don't want to revisit the pain, we don't want to experience it again, uh, and so we run away from it. We try to ignore it like it's not there, and um, and the question. You know is it successful y'all who have tried this does it work no right it's not successful for thor and that's why like even in that opening scene when we see him uh, i wish i had video it's too early after the movie but there's this moment where uh just bubbling underneath the, the surface for thor he's like yeah i'm cool everything's all right and then something bad happens on the video game and he threatens somebody's life on a video game right and then uh, somebody mentions Thanos' name, and he almost goes catatonic. I mean, it's, it's right there. And, and this is the thing. You can't deal with uh, failure by not dealing with it. Um, you can't run from failure. You can't hide from it ultimately. Uh, it doesn't work. And so the moral of Thor's story is don't be like not fit Thor, okay? Um, here's the second person I want to explore, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Uh, this is kind of like the arrow-shooting um, superhero I don't know much about him more than that, but he was awesome with arrows. And uh, he is the first Avenger that we encounter when the movie opens. And uh, honestly, it was kind of unexpected for me, but this one was a little personally tough as a dad, as a husband. Because uh, when we open up with Hawkeye, he's not fighting Avenger battles. He's on a farm with his family having just this beautiful moment with, with, with his kids and his wife. Uh, he and his daughter are shooting arrows together, and he's teaching her how to shoot, and she's really good at it, no surprise. And so they're doing that, and his kids, other kids, are like running off in a field somewhere on this farm, and his wife is making a picnic, and it's just this beautiful picturesque moment. And then he turns around to see his daughter, and suddenly she's gone. Right, and he's looking for her, and then he looks for the rest of his family, and all of a sudden they've been vaporized too. And what's happened? We're supposed to kind of pick up that Thanos has now snapped his fingers, and half of all 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 life is now gone, and every single one of his family members is lost. And Hawkeye's all there on his own. It's really a tough scene, Um, and uh, and failure for Hawkeye is a little different because. He actually wasn't in Infinity War. He never faced um, Thanos directly because, actually, ironically, he had decided to not do the Avenger thing in the same way anymore because he wanted to be with his family. He wanted to spend time with them. He didn't want to jeopardize his future with them. And so uh, here, is, here he is with his family and what's happened? He's lost them. I mean, it's this terrible irony, and he's actually experienced the failure to see that future through, to protect his family. And, um, and so uh, how does Hawkeye then deal with this failure and loss that he experiences in the movie? Well, what happens is he, get white, he gets white-hot mad. He gets uh, He becomes this kind of vigil anti shadowy justice picture p- character that we see later in the movie who shows up. Uh, we see him again, I, I think it 's in Japan and he 's got a sword now and a new haircut and he 's cutting up bad guys uh, with with rage and anger and um, and it 's interesting uh, he 's just like now becoming this one who wants to set everything right, but himself isn't right. And so, uh, it, it's this kind of dealing with failure where, where it's kind of just this moral outrage that he lives into, right? And, and when you step back, uh, does anybody kind of see themselves deal with failure by kind of converting it to anger against something else, right? That, that's, that's what Hawkeye is doing. And, um, and, and, and that's what I think some of us do. We, we experience a failure, and because we don't want to really deal with it and deal with our own role in it, we just kind of move it into other places, right? Where we, we just short fuse on other things, or we lay blame on other people, or we fight some injustice. Like, I actually wonder uh, today um, if this whole thing that people are calling, like, outrage culture that's kind of emerged in, in America... Recently, especially on social media, isn't in, in many cases people dealing with their anger in a really unhealthy way. That's actually not about the issue, but about something else. And it just gives us a really easy outlet to to, to 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 be angry at something. And and I think a lot of times when we're doing that, the reality is is we haven't dealt with the failure and what's right here, looked in the mirror at the failure. And uh and, and that's why. Uh, this is a really unhealthy way to do it because no matter how much we fight, no matter how many villains we capture, we're still angry. We're still messed up because we haven't really dealt with it in ourselves. And and that's what we see in in Hawkeye. It's not a healthy, it's not a good way to deal with failure. Um, Not all of the Avengers have such unhealthy ways of dealing with failure. Um, There are two that have more positive responses. Black Widow and Captain America. Uh, Black Widow, also known as Ratash, Natasha Romanoff, I, I would say she has what is called like, I'd call it the keep on trying response to failure. She she falls, but she's going to get back up and try again. She's going to try harder. She's going to make it better. She's going to outgood this thing that happened that was bad. And when, when we see her first in the movie, what she is doing is she's back at what remains of Avengers headquarters, and she's leading the Avengers to be the Avengers in the world again, still fighting crime, still protecting the universe. She hasn't even given up on beating Thanos, right? And, well, uh, there's a lot of good in that. In fact, I think that one of the healthy things we do when we deal with failure, biblically, which we'll explore in a little bit, is, is actually it is getting back up. It is, it is moving forward. Uh, there's also an element of this that can also not be good, that's unhealthy, because uh, what also seems apparent with uh, Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, is that it also seems like she's not in touch with reality, like she hasn't come to terms with what's, what's actually happened. And that, that comes forward just kind of in this scene where where we first see her, where she's sitting there at Avengers headquarters, and she's got all these Avengers, and she's talking to them and giving them orders, and she talks to this one guy named Falcon, and she gives him this this job to do, and both of them know that it's not going to do anything, but she she can't not tell him to do it. They've got to keep trying harder and harder, and then he goes away. He's a little frustrated, and she kind of just gets this moment to herself, and you can see that she has this pause here, and she's doubting. She's like, Wondering, what am I still doing? Is this really making any difference? And uh, and I, when you step back and you think about your response to failure, I bet some of us can see ourselves in her as well, right? Like, we just keep going. We keep trying harder. We, we, we try to work and work and do better and better, better thinking that with some greater success, like we're not going to experience the pain or the aftermath of this failure again. Uh, To use Christian terms, she's trying to kind of earn her salvation. And I bet that some of us uh, have a natural default response to failure in the same way. Um, uh, And and it's not ultimately good because it doesn't deal with ultimate realities. Steve Rogers, Captain America, he's the last one I want to look at. He's interesting too. Uh, When we encounter him, He's, he's actually doing some very good things in coping with failure. He copes by leading a support group for individuals. Where do we go now that they're gone, right? And kind of in the same way that we have like grief support groups today uh, for folks who have lost a loved one, like it's, it, he's kind of leading a support group for gr- people experiencing grief and loss post SNAP, you know, that had lost people that they love that are trying to put their lives back together. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it is in many ways a really good thing for him to be doing. And, you know, we, we are supposed to like Captain America. He's Captain America, right, in, in the Avengers series. He's got empathy. We see that in the movies. He's got this kind of moral center to him. Uh, he is later in the movie even worthy of lifting Thor's hammer, which is really cool, uh, even though I still don't understand it. Uh, But it's good to see him in the movie doing this, helping other people, trying to get over their grief. But even with Captain America's more healthy response to failure, while, while he's willing to help others, what we also see is he's unwilling to help himself. He's unwilling to get help himself. And that comes through in a scene later with Black Widow, where he says, some people move on, but not us. And what he's, what's happening there is he's still trapped, uh, and, and he's still, still not willing to open up himself and accept that, that he, Captain America, defender of the country, you know, failed as a hero. And, um, and you know, I think sometimes uh, this is also a default response to failure for many of us. And if we step back and we think about it, uh, there are a lot of us who will respond to a failure or a loss by trying to help people, but never really opening up ourselves to be helped by others as well. Um, you know, there are a lot of very well-meaning people in, in, in the church, even especially in the world, who, who, who will say, I've heard people say this, the way that you deal with failure is you pour yourself into some greater good, some greater cause, and, and I think that's a part truth. I, I absolutely believe it's a good way to deal with failure in many ways. Jesus said loving our neighbor uh, is the golden rule, to love your neighbor like yourself, but you've got to love yourself enough to experience healing and and, and be it, it, just pouring ourselves into some good cause or others is a way not to deal with our own stuff as much as Thor had a way not to deal with his own stuff. And this is why I have, and I bet many of you all have seen this too, I've met many a Peace Corps volunteer, uh, many a social worker, many a a church person who is passionate about helping others find healing and wholeness, but who themselves is not healed or whole uh, at at all. And that's because it's just not a wholly healthy way to deal with failure. And so this all leads up to a question that I'm sure you're wondering about is, how how ought we to deal with failure? Like what direction does the Bible give us in dealing with health, failure in a healthy way? And, um, and let me say, while there is no like God's four-step guide to facing failure in, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, like what we do actually have in the scriptures are tons of stories of, of the Bible's heroes failing. And, and how they handle it. Um, in fact, most of the people who God used in some of the most powerful ways in the Bible experience very significant failures uh, that we read about in Scripture. And the one that really comes to mind, came to mind as I studied and thought about this this morning, was really the Apostle Peter and his failure in the denial of Jesus, right? Um, Peter was a hero of faith, right? He was so important in, in God's plans, and leading the early church, and preaching the gospel, but one of the things that we also know about Peter is he failed big time, right? In all four gospels, we get this story. He, his failure is exposed in one of the most significant ways, and I bet, I bet many of you guys know, know this story. At the end of Jesus' ministry, at the last Passover meal they have together, Jesus is sharing with his disciples about how he's got to go away, uh, things are about to change. I am going to be gone from you. And, uh, and Peter, who is zealous for Jesus, who loves Jesus, who wants God's Messiah to step into the kingdom, wants no part of this. He says, I'm not going to let this happen. Let me kind of just read for you in John 13, 36 through 38, how this interaction goes, what Peter says. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, um where i am going you cannot follow now but you will follow later peter asked lord why can't i follow you now i will lay down my life for you i'm willing to die for you jesus then jesus answered will you really lay down your life for me very truly i tell you before the rooster crows you will disown me 3 times and that's a foreshadowing of, uh, of what is going to happen. And as we read five chapters later, Jesus goes off and is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are scattered because they're terrified of this arrest. And we follow Peter as, as three times people say, aren't you one of Jesus's disciples? And this man who said he was willing to die for Jesus then says, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And on the third time, that rooster that Jesus says was going to crow ominously, crows. Um, And, you know, I've often wondered in that story, like, why Jesus made it a point to tell Peter, you're not going to be able to do this. You're going to deny me three times, and then the rooster crows. Because uh, it seems to me Jesus didn't have to say that, right? Like, why did Jesus need to tell Peter, no, 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 you're, you're not going to do this. There's going to be this horrible failure you're going to have and do it in front of the other disciples and get it recorded in the Bible for all time for all people to read, right? Like, like, it seems to me one of maybe the more graceful ways to respond to that would to Jesus knowing what's going to happen, just be like, yeah, you know, I know what's going to happen, Peter, but not say anything, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. And I've often wondered why. And, um, and the truth is, I'm not exactly sure why, because we're not told exactly why in the Bible. Uh, But what I can say is from other places the Bible talks about sin and failure, I think the answer may be that Jesus was actually being incredibly graceful with Peter by letting him know that he was going to fail, by pointing it out. Because what Jesus, I think, is doing is he's making Peter face his failure, he's making him see. That he is gonna fail and deal with the reality that he he has failed and that there's something inside of him that didn't do what, what it wanted to do or was supposed to do, that failure was a part of his own human condition. And we read this story because we are a failed people. We, because of sin, are broken, and we need to face that fact uh, just like Peter did in order to deal with our failure in a healthy way. Because we, Here's the, the, the reality, what we see in the Bible. When we face failure, we can't run from it. We can't earn our way out of it. We can't outgood it. We have to, to recognize it and acknowledge it and face it. We, we have to look at our failure in the eye and see that it happened and accept it and, and own it. Because if we don't do that, right, what, what happens is, is that failure just never goes from us. It's always there. It keeps smoldering in the background of our lives. Uh, We cycle back to that point of failure until we deal with it, uh, and we just cycle in in this pattern of shame and regret of what happens. Uh, But when we face our failures, when we look it in the eye, when we acknowledge who we actually are and what we've done, that's when God is able to be the Savior that we need. The one who never stops loving us is able to give us the forgiveness that, that actually we, we need so desperately when we failed. Uh, I, I really like the way Psalm 32, 3 through 5 kind of works through this. Let me just read that for you um, right here. This is, this is David, King David, a man who himself knew a bit about big time failure. And he says this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for night and day your hand was heavy on me my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer so he's failed right and he's he's keeping silent about it he's covering it up he's not dealing with it and he's feeling the weight of what's happening and then in verse five it turns then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin, right? You forgave me. And and so David lived with not acknowledging it, not facing it. It didn't go well for him. But the turn in the passage happens when he says, I confessed it, I accepted it, I acknowledged it to you and I didn't cover it up. I, I said, I, I failed, I sinned. And, and when he did that, right, he he got to experience the unconditional love of God, which loved him before he had failed, which loved him far after he had failed, which never stopped loving him, which knew he was gonna fail, and went and died on the cross for, for King David and you and me, anyways. Right? And and so uh, he he accepts the reality, he experiences forgiveness, and then what we see in that passage is not only that he's forgiven of his sin, he's forgiven the guilt of his sin. He's, it says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. He's set free from, from the effects of those failures in his life. And, um, and that's the truth. Like, to be set free, we, we've got to acknowledge it. We've got to let Jesus work on it. We, we, we've got to open ourselves up to let, to let our Savior come in and lead us in a new, new redeemed direction and and peter 's story, uh, as many of you all know, it doesn 't end with Peter denying Jesus three times and going away and never being a part of god 's plan again. This is one of the most beautiful things about this story with Peter is that as he 's gone off and he 's now fishing and kind of given up on things, here is Jesus who goes out to find him, the resurrected risen Jesus who 's overcome his failure in the greatest way, and he goes and he calls Peter from that boat and he brings him back. And three times uh they interact, and Jesus forgives him and and he uh and he, and he restores him as the leader of the church, and Jesus sets Peter free to lead right sets Peter free to be the man that Jesus had called him to be and um I just think, man, that is such a beautiful story and and just as you leave today, maybe think about like where do I fit into this story if I was one of these heroes, right? Would I be like Thor? Would I be like Hawkeye, Captain America, right? Would I be like somebody else, right? We we all have a default way that we deal with failure. But I think the question is how how can I be more, how can I do more of the accepting and acknowledging of my failure that then allows Jesus to work in me and to work on me and to work through me? And what I I want you to know is when you fail, you're forgiven. You've absolutely been forgiven and uh, and as as you deal with that failure, Jesus restores us gently he moves us forward and uh, if we're willing to acknowledge it, Jesus absolutely desires to set us free amen amen let's pray Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your grace and your love and the way that you come to us and 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 live in us and do things through us, even though we are broken, battered people who have failed, Lord. And I just ask for your grace uh, to be felt by anyone here today that needs to feel it. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it known in the future as we fail, uh, that we wouldn't sit in it, but we would turn from it, that we would acknowledge it, and that you'd come and you'd set us free. And uh, Lord, I pray those things by the power of your Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.